Welcome to Feminine Founder. I'm Caroline Finnington, your host. Today I have Kara Lenz joining me. Kara is an entrepreneur and a she has a leadership, coaching, and transformation business called Kara Lenz Consulting. Welcome. Hi, Caroline. Thank you. So tell us more about yourself from going from being a corporate talent and development manager to owning your own business. I'd love to hear about your path and then how you got to your current position now. Yeah, it is. it was an interesting road for me and, and nothing I um, ever really envisioned doing. I, you know, in, in 2017, I think I, I found myself in a position that I think a lot of people do where I had a cool job, I worked for an amazing company, I was making great money, I had all the benefits. Um, I loved my coworkers and my teams, but I was in a constant state of stress. And I was on a plane two or three times a month, um, was working all hours. My company, the, the company that I worked for was very much, it's, it's a giant company and very much work hard and play hard. They demanded a lot of, the company demanded a lot and my role as an HR leader demanded a lot. And then I got a new boss and um, she was not a great leader. And she had some pretty bad leadership behavior, which made the stress just multiply. And then one day it just kind of hit me and I thought this job is killing me. And I knew a lot of people said that and they meant it kind of figuratively, but I have known for a lot of years, I have the genetic defect that causes breast cancer and ovarian cancer. And so my health is super important to me. And so I really just thought this job might literally be killing me. Um, and so I knew that I had to, to make a choice. I had to choose either my job or my health. And so I chose my health and I quit my job and I moved to a tropical island in the Caribbean, this teeny little island called Roatan, Honduras. My dad was convinced I was going to end up in the poorhouse and in his basement someday, living in his basement. He was like, what are you doing quitting your job at Apple to, to go live on an island? Um, and it was great. And, and after about six months, I just, you know, I had the opportunity. It took a few months for corporate America to kind of wash off of me. And then once I kind of, I could feel that difference, then I could start thinking about what's next for me. And I knew I had to work again. I didn't have enough money to be retired. And I knew um, that I had more to contribute. And so I had to figure out how do I go back to work in probably a stressful job and not be stressed. And it sent me down this whole path of um, a lot of woo-woo things, you know, that people think of as woo-woo. And I was like, that stuff's not for me. What does brain research say? Neuroscience is big right now. What is that telling me? And it turns out that all the woo-woo stuff now has brain research behind it, like backing it. Um, and so what I figured out was all of those things, mindset and acceptance and purpose and all of those things, what that can do for your mental health. And once that clicked with me, I knew I had a duty to share that with other people. And I really felt strongly that people should not have to make a choice between their job and their health because people have to work to make a living. And so I thought if I can help people, individuals, and if, you know, find their health without having to quit their jobs, and if I can help organizations create health within their organization, that is where I'm supposed to be. So I'd love to unpack that further with you, the importance of health and wellness with employees. So what have you seen from a coaching and HR perspective? What's worked? What hasn't worked? 
How do you, how does, where does a company even start when they're trying to implement these practices? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's the companies have decisions to make about where they put their money and where they put their resources. And there's only so much they can do. Um, and when I think about wellness programs, I, I believe there's kind of two approaches you can take. I believe that wellness starts with your mental wellness. So I've always been somebody who's focused on working out. I was kind of chubby as a younger kid. And so I've always been an exerciser. I've always been somebody who tries to watch what I eat, um, but I could never get quite what I considered physically fit or physically well until I realized what the mental aspect of that has to do with if you're, if you've got cortisol running through your brain, your body can't lose weight um, and through your system. And so I really believe starting with mental wellness is the key. And for organizations to address mental wellness, there's kind of a two-prong approach I think they can take. Both are important. One is to kind of take the stressors away, implement programs and policies and benefits that can take the stressors away from employees. Those are things like flexible work schedules, parental leave, um, child care help, elder care help, things like that. And then how do you help employees deal with stressors in a more effective way? Because no matter how much money you put against those other programs, employees are always going to have other sources of stress in their lives. Even if you miraculously find a way for the job not to be a source of stress, there will be other stressors. So how do you help employees? How do you really teach mental health as a, and mental wellness as a skill set in your employees, just like we would teach communication skills or problem solving skills. How do we teach it as a skill set in our employees? I feel like it's harder to, to learn those skills. And maybe that's just an excuse as people are, you know, full on working or they have responsibilities with their families or kids or taking care of their elderly parents or whatnot. And then it's like, hold up, I got to take care of my mind and my body. You know, it's like whole, it's even a bigger picture thing, you know? Yes, it is. It can be super overwhelming. Um, and it does sound like, oh, you're just adding one more thing to my plate, Kara. Like, how, are, how, how can we, I can't add one more thing to my plate. My plate is overflowing. Um, but there, there are really quick things you can do. I have found with my clients um, and research will back this up that says consistency is more important than intensity. Mm-hmm. And so even if you can find one minute in a day, two or three times a day to really focus on a few of those, a couple things, right? Breathing and what that can do for you. Kind of a quick affirmation. Who do I want to be in this moment, in this very stressful moment? Um, go to the bathroom at your workplace for 60 seconds and just dance really quick and get move some of that energy out of you. There's research that backs up even those short things if done consistently can change the way that your brain is thinking through um, emotional, you know, emotional stressors. I'm sure you hear this a lot and I've heard it plenty as a recruiter, but I don't have time. And that's the response you get when you say, okay, make time for these things. But I feel like it's a choice. Do you disagree? No, I mean, how we spend our time, the ultimate resource that everybody has the exact amount of is a choice. It really Mm -hmm. is. And I never chose, when I was in that stressful point, I was a person who never chose that. And fortunately or unfortunately, 
I knew that I was possibly paying for it with my life because of this genetic defect that I have that I, at first I saw as this horrible thing. Right. And, and now I see as a blessing to me because it has forced me to look early on what's important. And so there are times I tell a lot of my clients that when you, you choose in life, what to say yes and what to say no to, whether you actually choose in the way that you spend your, your resources and your time is your most important resource. And so sometimes actively I have a no list. What are things I'm choosing to say no to? And I am proud of making that decision for myself on what things I say no to. But we do all only have 168 hours in the week. And so you've you've got to decide, is your mental health worth some component of that time? I love that. I love that that's part of your story that that actually forced you to make some tough decisions and refocus on your health and I think health and wellness is a newer thing for companies when it comes to um, it being part of joining our organization. And in my opinion, I think it's a benefit, something that, you know, is helpful with recruiting and attracting top talent because the companies that have wellness programs or trainers come in or gyms at the bottom of their, you know, office space or will pay towards a membership. What are your thoughts about that? Or have you seen that with any of your clients? Yeah, with have I seen that those are beneficial? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, there there are places where they can be beneficial. Um, I haven't. My research goes more into kind of the mental health. I'm I do um, have a chapter in my book around physical health, but that is where most people kind of go to is the working out space. How do I find more time to work out? Um, mm-hmm. And it's important. It it is very very important. I'm, I've been in in some form of exercise or pretty much my whole life. Um, and those things are really, they are really valuable if people use them. And to your point, if people can find a time, this is another place where I, I find with a lot of my clients, the same thing, if I can get them to understand consistency is more important than intensity. So taking a 10 minute walk twice a day is going to be more beneficial for you than spending one 90 minute session in the gym, mm-hmm. you know, once a week. And so having, finding a way to, to um, be consistent about whatever practice you choose is important. And although that physical health is paramount, I don't believe that you can get there unless you've created the space mentally to, yes. to get yourself to the gym and even willing to um, go through those motions and say yes to that exercise piece of it. I agree. I feel like you can be physically healthy and not mentally healthy. And I think the reverse is probably more important to be more mentally healthy and less physically healthy or when I say physically healthy, I mean like, you know, yeah, yeah, body think, status or whatever. right. And I think we all intrinsically know this, right? So if you think back on when we played kickball and we had two people choosing teams, right? Two captains of the team. And if we chose our teams like that today, and the only thing you knew about two groups of people where you had one group of, of people who, um, you know, they knew how to handle their emotions. They knew how their childhood impacts them. They knew their values in life and their purpose. Um, they knew who they were here to serve and how to show up with gratitude and compassion and acceptance. And then you had another group who didn't know any of those things. And you just had to pick based only on that. You, we intrinsically know that people who have those skills show up better 
um, for themselves, for their families, for their jobs, for their communities, um, and really then, you know, obviously making that impact then on the organization. So what transformation advice would you give to a female leader that's maybe gone from being an employee and maybe they've got promoted, they're going into a management or executive role? How can they advocate for themselves and stay mentally healthy as they continue to, you know, grow their scope of work, maybe develop their teams, train, you know, do all those things. That's part of it too, you know? Yeah. I love that question so much. And it's because it's opposite advice than what I would have given six years ago before my little transformation. Um, You know, as an HR professional, I told leaders all the time, meet your employees where they are, meet your employees where they are. But we never taught people how to do that. So we never said to leaders, I'm sure leaders were like, okay, well, where are they? What do you mean by that? Like, how do I meet them there? And the road to meeting people where they are is really understanding yourself first. So if there was a new, if there was a woman who came in and was just promoted and a new leader, I would say the number one thing you can do is dig in and start to understand yourself first. Why do you respond the way that you do in meetings when you're stressed? Do you shut down or do you overly, do you directly go at somebody because you're angry or stressed about something? How does that show up and why? What beliefs do you have about a lot of times we're so defensive. I see this in meetings and with leaders all the time who are so defensive. Um, and so what, where, where's that defense, that defensiveness coming from? Can you pinpoint that? Can you figure out what's happening in your brain so you can interrupt it and decide who you want to be in that moment? Um, and how do you show up? Define what is that leader? Who do I want to be? How do I want to influence my employees and my team and my community? Um, and then how do I develop those skills to do that? And without knowing yourself, I don't think you can show up as a strong and authentic leader for your teams. That takes a ton of self-awareness and really looking in the mirror and saying, okay, this is what I'm really good at and this is what I'm not good at. And what am I going to do to balance the two out so that I'm serving as, as an executive, as a manager, as a leader? Yes, it takes a ton. And I will tell you the hard truth that I learned in my little journey was as much as I loved to talk about how I had a terrible boss that, that kind of, she didn't force my hand, but it, it helped me make the decision to leave is the reality. And, and she wasn't a great leader, um, but the reality is she was trying, but I didn't have the skill set to deal with the way with the, her bad behavior. And we are going to run into people in our lives always who don't treat us right, who are poor leaders. Um, and so had I had the skill set that I have now, I think my story would have been different because I would have been able to handle that better. And it does. It's you've got to take a long, hard look in the mirror. And and to admit that out front is still a little bit hard for me because I was like, no, she was terrible. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you've got some culpability here, too, Kara. Um, Had you had you known this about yourself, maybe you would have made some different choices that that would have been better for the team and maybe for myself. I wouldn't have been here. So I, I'm thankful for that experience, but it was, it was a tough lesson to look in the mirror and know that. 
Well, I'm a big believer that everything happens for a reason. And in the moment, sometimes it doesn't feel that great. It's easy to, you know, point the finger in that scenario and blame others and, you know, whatnot. But then when you really let it process it, let it soak in, you learn more. Yeah, absolutely. If you're willing to look at it. A lot of people aren't, right? They, Like you said, like, it takes a lot of self-awareness and you You've got to be willing to to do that work, and I've and I've got some good friends too who, um, you know, you've got to have somebody in your life who you can say, "Hey, hold up the mirror for me," and mm. and be honest with me, because as as good friends, a lot of times we're like, "Yeah, she's terrible," um, but that's not necessarily in best service to us. Sometimes it is, and I'll tell my friends now. I'm aware enough to say. Right now, I just need you to agree with me. And then, and sometimes they'll say, all right, I need somebody to hold up the mirror. Where am I wrong in this, in this situation? Um, depending, and, I, and I know which one I need and want at the time. So, I think that's so wise to say like, okay, I need you to listen to me and agree with me or, okay, I've gotten over that and I really need you to tell me what's going on. Yeah. And then you guys can be open with each other and have that you know, yes. candid conversation and you not get your feelings hurt and then maybe offer a different perspective to you. Right. Yeah. Girlfriends are the best, aren't they? They are. <laughs> they are. You can't live without them. <laughs> no, absolutely not. So as we wrap up, how can our listeners find you? Yeah, a couple of places. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me just through my name on LinkedIn. And then I am just finishing up a book right now that should be published in September. Um, and the name of the book is Health Work Balance. And you can find me at healthworkbalance.co. And there's there you can find um, kind of a link to, you can see the book where it's coming out. And then I do have a little, a free checklist there. So if you've got leaders, it's a checklist of about 12 different items that talks about how about mental wellness in the workplace and how that could show up on your teams. And then it does give a free little, here's a quick practice in what you can do when you find yourselves in those situations. It's a really quick little pinup that people can use to just kind of remind themselves um, when I'm in that spot, what's something I can do really fast to bring me back to center. Sometimes we need those Quick, we don't have t 10 minutes to go meditate, right? We've got one minute to get our stuff together. So, yes, I love it. That's a quick little snapshot that someone can just reference or put in front of their computer or on a sticky exactly. note and check the box. Well, yeah. I'm so excited um, about your book coming out. That's very exciting. And I will link your LinkedIn profile and um, your book site in the show notes. And so oh, we cool. can, can, our listeners can find you there. Okay. Great. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks.